supporting you in your dog parenting journey. The Dynamic Dog Owner with Debbie Potter. Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Dog Owner. Hope you're all having a wonderful week and looking forward to another episode talking all about dogs. So this episode is about how to actually pick a dog trainer. It's a big question. It's a big decision to make. And I want to make sure that you're going to make the right decision for you because it's your decision. Um, But there's a lot to consider when picking a dog trainer. So if you're a new dog owner and you've not had to look for a dog trainer before, naturally, you don't know what to look for. You don't know who is good, who is not. If you've never had a dog, you wouldn't know what to look for. Just like in most things, if you're completely green, you haven't got the knowledge to know what you need. So there are a number of different types and styles of training and different people out there. So if you're already working with a trainer, brilliant. However, you may need at some point to work with someone different. Um, And if you haven't got a trainer um, and you're not working with anyone, you haven't worked with anybody before, this hopefully will help you just to look at a few things that I consider to be really important when you are working with somebody. So firstly, obviously, as we're, you know, we're dog trainers. um, So we naturally believe that training is very important. And it is one of the key things to help you have a good harmonious life with your dog. Because training isn't just about making them sit and stay. It's about teaching you as people how to manage a problem how dogs work, how dogs think and feel and how you can get the best from your dog. And mostly, and this sounds a bit odd because I know we're dog trainers, but mostly my job is about teaching people how people can learn new skills, how people can gain more knowledge and then they put it into practice with their dogs. So it's not necessarily about teaching the dog. Some people... um, And obviously some everyone's different, but some people do actually say, I'm a dog trainer, give me your dog and I'll train it. That could be another podcast episode. Um, (laughs) But majority of dog trainers actually train you the person. Because as I always say, I don't live with my clients. It's great if I train the dog and the dog does it beautifully for me, but I'm only with you for an hour or two a week. I'm not with you 24 seven. You need the skills, you need the knowledge. And you need to be able to work through your problems and make decisions for the rest of the week. So it's you that has to do the training with your dog. So we teach people how to train their dog and how to be the best dog parent they can be. That's one part of training. Obviously, it helps you with your teaching basic skills, improving those skills, like lead work, recall, general manners, etc. It helps keep you and your dog safe. I think you have a better understanding about dogs and it creates that fun environment for you to learn together because dog training should be fun. It shouldn't be horrible. It shouldn't be the worst part of your week. It should be the most enjoyable time you spend with your dog, focusing together with like-minded people and having your supportive trainer helping you out. Training creates that trust and that bond between you and your dog. So it's so much more than just making a dog behave. It is a huge relationship building experience 
that helps you and your dog have the best life possible. Now, something to highlight, because I think many people aren't aware of it, um, and there's so many industries that are the same, there is no sort of national body or regulator in the UK, I don't know about every other country, but in the UK in particular, um, there is no regulatory body controlling dog trainers or making sure they have certain qualifications. So anybody can call themselves a professional dog trainer, set up a business with absolutely no experience, no qualifications, and start charging people for their services, even though they haven't got any qualifications or any knowledge. So this is often how people who, it sounds really awful, I don't mean it to sound this, but people who don't know what they're doing start working. And they start getting clients because they go, oh, well, I tried this with my dog. Oh, give me your dog. I'll give you a tenner and we'll fix it. Um, I'm sure many people aren't going out to create bad experiences. But obviously, think about something for you. Would you go to your dentist and go, oh, well, I hope they know what they're doing? Um, of course not. You go to your dentist and trust that they are experienced in their job. Not just your dentist, it could be anywhere. You know, if you are needing a roof fixed or a builder you would check that they are legit you check that they have everything that they need their insurances you check their previous work you go on recommendations because it's a big thing having your house fixed you don't want it to be messed up and then have to fix the problem why don't we do that with our dog training because many people don't and this may sound very strange but i've been training dogs now for Oh God, little memory, about seven, eight, eight years maybe, I believe. Um, in all of that time, so I've trained over 700 puppies. Um, that's just puppies. Uh, you know, overall, we've probably trained about three, 4,000 people um, and their dogs. I believe out of that 4,000, and this is, a, I'm sure it's more than 4,000 actually, but out of that rough number, two have asked me what qualifications I've got, maybe three. And that's quite a crazy ratio. A handful of people have asked me what qualifications I have and what experience I have before starting to work with me. Now, I know that I have qualifications. I know I have experience. I know I do CPD. I know I have a lot more to learn because there's never, you never know everything. I have a lot more areas I'd like to learn more in. I have certain areas I go, no, I'm, I, I can't help you with that because I, I don't know enough about it. But I know that the people I work with, I can help. And I know that I'm doing the best for them. But they're putting an awful lot of trust in me just because I've got a nice website. <laughs> Let's face it. Um, that's why I look and oh, they've got a nice website. A few people say some good stuff about them. No one actually asked me what qualifications I have. And I would like more people to. Yes, of course, it is listed on our website. Um, but again, it could just be a made up badge. If you don't know, you wouldn't know. Um, obviously, they're not made up. Um, so firstly, before you do anything, check the qualifications. Check what methods the people you are going to work with use. Now, yes, I would always say oh, yeah, there's no right or wrong. Everyone has their own style. Everyone has their own methods. Some are more ethical than others. So my top tip is work out firstly, do the people 
you're looking at working with use modern methods? Do they use old-fashioned methods? Do they use aversive methods? Many trainers still use what I would call outdated methods, so old-fashioned methods, which rely on compliance, punishment, the use of unethical tools um, that basically make a dog behave. And yes, they will behave, and yes, you'll get quick results, but my question is always why. And by this, I mean that they may use... um, Sprays, bark collars, choke collars, things that tighten. Some may still hit the dog. It's not what I believe in. And it makes me very sad to think that people still treat their dogs that way. But they do. And there are still people who will charge money to do that with you and your dog. Which, let's face it, it's bordering on abuse. Yeah, we're making a dog do as it's told no matter how it feels, no matter what the consequences. And often there are consequences to people working with those methods. So broadly, you've got three kind of categories. Um, And obviously, there is no hard, fast rule. Um, You've got your aversive methods of training, which are using fear, pain, dominance and harsher methods. You've then got balanced trainers who use a little bit of those methods, but they also use some of the modern methods too. So they use a little bit of science, but they also use the harsher methods. And then you've got modern trainers who generally are more ethical, they're kind, and they use science-based methods. So they focus on learning theory, which is how people learn too. So it's a science-backed approach. It's using studies and experiments that create the behaviorism model that we are used to in our own lives and we live it throughout every day without even realizing you have they you mean everyone's got their extremes some people will touch on these areas some might have a mixture of all of them you've got some people who are so force-free that they don't even want to put a collar and a lead on a dog which because that's obviously giving them uh, us an element of control we have to use everything with a pinch of salt let's face it because nobody can truly say I am force free because that means you never ever expect your dog to do anything that they don't want to do which in an ideal world great but in practicality we have to sometimes say I'm going to put a collar and lead on you and you need to come with me that in some people's eyes is class as forceful um but as long as for me the main thing is that your whoever you're working with should use a more modern approach. They should use positive reinforcement, which basically means we reward dogs. It doesn't mean we just feed them all the time. We use rewards. So treats, praise, toys, good consequences. They're using science-based methods, um, which are all about rewarding good behaviours and not necessarily punishing... but avoiding unwanted behaviours. So not telling them off, but creating strong management where unwanted unwanted behaviours can't happen and therefore your dog can't get it wrong. Clear communication and consistency. So those that's kind of like my main thing. Just check the methods that your dog trainer is going to be using with your dog. Because I've had so many people that come to me and go, I was in a class and they started doing this and I felt so uncomfortable, but I felt pressure in the environment to 
do it knowing it was wrong and then I left and I felt so bad for my dog and I never went back again but they kept my money because oh, I didn't feel confident enough to ask for a refund and say I didn't agree. What an awful situation to be in when you're in a group environment, you're under pressure, everybody else is just doing as they're told and you go, I don't like this. But you don't know how to stand up and say, I'm not doing that. So check this stuff out first. And one of the best ways to check this out is to follow them on social media. We are blessed with social media in a way because you do get to see what they're doing. Um, so you, if you're looking at photos, you, know, you look at, do the dogs look happy? That's the main thing. Do the dogs look happy? Because <laughs> if your dog's being treated kindly and fairly, they're going to be a happy dog. If the dog is being trained through harsher methods where they are avoiding punishment, they're not likely to look happy. They're likely to look a little bit scared, a little bit timid. Look at what equipment they're using on their social medias with their own dogs and with client dogs and just suss that bit out first. Now, one thing to mention is just because somebody's dog looks well behaved, it doesn't mean they're a good trainer. I would actually say trainers who have more challenging dogs are the better trainers which I know sounds really backward, but often people whose dogs are perfect and they say, well, my dog never does anything wrong. Look, he can sit, stay here. He can walk beautifully past this. He can do this. He can do that. He can do the other. They tend to be looking for status. Whereas if someone goes, yep, my dog struggles with this. He is a challenge. We're working through it. It shows that they are in for the long haul and they're not looking for quick fixes because in dog training, there are no quick fixes. If someone says to you, I can fix that in an hour, it would make me question what methods they're using, quite frankly. If they say to you, okay, this is the thing, this is the problem. Um, Yes, we will definitely work with you and you will see progress, but I cannot guarantee I'm going to fix your problem because your dog has their own mind and their own emotions that they're working through. We will definitely see progress, but we can't change who their character is and would we want to. That's the approach that I would be looking for personally. So I hold my hands up. None of my three dogs are perfect. They have all got their own quirks, their own personalities because I let them express who they are and I let them be who they want to be. I recognise their struggles and we work on them. So yes, my eldest dog, it took him till he was six to walk nicely on the lead, but we worked through that. My middle dog taught me so much. Yes, he was a massive challenging dog emotionally, but he has taught me so much that now I can pass on to other people. So if trainers have a challenging dog, they're actually better at their job because they have had to put into practice in their daily life everything they are telling you to do. They have worked it, they have tried it, they have tested it. They have grown as a trainer and had more knowledge because their challenging dog has helped them to learn more. So don't measure the success of a dog trainer and how good they are by how well behaved their dog is. The next thing is about qualifications. Now, there are so many varieties of qualifications. So let's talk about qualifications. Because just because someone doesn't have any qualifications doesn't mean they're not a good dog trainer because there's so much free advice out there and free training out there if they really want it you know there are so many dog books that have taught me so much 
Yes, I don't have a cert certificate to say she's read 12,000 books, um, but I have still read them. I still have that knowledge. Obviously, majority of dog trainers have completed some form of professional qualification. But remember, there is no authority regulatory body. So anyone can put together a dog training qualification and sell it and people get a certificate for it, even if their qualification isn't actually very good. Which means the ones that are good are sometimes undervalued and the ones that aren't very good often have more value placed on them. So there are, this is the minefield, guys. Um, there are several hundred different programs available for dog trainers to gain knowledge. And it's worth, you say, it's worth noting they're not all equal. So look at not just the piece of paper they've got and say, oh yeah, look, I've got a dog trainer certificate. Actually go and research that organisation. Are they a big organisation who specialise in training dogs and dog trainers and dog behaviourists? What are their requirements to actually pass the test? <laughs> and get that certificate um because some are literally just a tick box well done you've got a certificate so some things to kind of look at are obviously look at the organization research the organization are they a professional organization specialized in dogs or are they just a general online school who happened to do a dog training certificate look at whether the course was expensive or not because if the course was 50 quid Obviously, the value is placed there. They're not going to have trained and undertaken a lot of knowledge and a lot of input for 25 quid. If they spent two and a half grand or three grand or four grand, then it's likely, not always, this isn't one, you know, this is one part of it. It's likely that they've had to invest a lot more time and effort into the delivery of the program. That's why it's worth so much money. How long does it take them to complete? So again, your £25 certificate online that takes is complete in four hours. They're not going to have as much skills as someone whose qualification has taken two years. Now, all equally, you know, is it accredited? So is it an off-qual registration? Um, is it CPD based? Is there any official, has their, their qualification been um, sort of, what's the word, authenticated by somebody else? And Equally, and this potentially is more important, it's where sometimes qualifications aren't everything. Yes, they may have completed a five-year master's degree in dog canine behaviour, etc. But if they haven't got any practical skills and they've never actually trained a person, are they likely to be a very good dog trainer? Because I think I, I know I was very surprised at how much people training I actually do. Um, and I think going into my job, I didn't realise that I would actually develop my people skills a hell of a lot more than I did. So many people like to work with dogs because they like dogs. That means they're a very good dog trainer handling a dog. But can they transfer that knowledge and those skills and coach a person to learn their skills? So just because they've got a good qualification, can they actually put that into practice with people? So as you can see, there's quite a mindful of things to consider. Majority of people who have worked very hard for their qualifications are going to have shouted about it from the rooftops and said, look at this, I've been working on it for years. Their logos will be on their websites. They will display their certificates. Look for those things. And don't be afraid to ask. I, as a dog trainer, love it when people say, could you tell me what um, experience you've got, please? 
And remember, experience is, you know, it's not just about education. Um, I'm a strong believer that, you know, education isn't about certificates. I'll explain that why in another episode. But it's not just about certificates. It's about life experiences and actual practical experiences. So do look at that, you know, how much actual experience have they got? Have they worked with similar cases to yours? Have they got results? Because that's important. Um, so again, kind of building on you know, what qualifications they've got. Are they a member of any uh, recognised bodies? So there are a lot of forums, groups, um, char- like group charters, etc. that you can be part of as a continuing professional development. See if they're part of any of those as well. Because again, that just highlights that they are every year committing to paying money to an organisation where they do get some benefits and extra training, have they got that commitment? Now, the other things to consider, there are so many things to consider, are, you know, have people worked with them and are they happy? Personal recommendations are really, really useful. So look at not how many followers they have on social media because that doesn't tell you a thing and generally people with good amount of followers basically have a really good marketing strategy um and they're good on social media but being good on social media doesn't mean you're actually good at training a dog okay so you can make and edit great videos it doesn't mean you're very good at what you do in terms of teaching other people so don't be fooled by how many likes followers um and how good their YouTube videos are, real life recommendations. So ask people, ask friends locally, look on their website, make sure that their reviews are actually genuine. So like, for example, on our website, I know I can't put a review on. Um, I It has to be submitted by somebody else. I can approve it, whether it goes on the website or not. Um, and I do approve every single one because I'd like to put negatives on there as well. Um, not that we actually have any, I don't think. But anyway, um, so check that they are actually sort of registered as people rather than just them putting ones on. So like anyone can put a review, their favourite review on the main page of their website. Um But actually check, do they have real life reviews? And this may be that you have to not go on their website, but go on social media, because again, you can't fake those. Go on Google My Business um, or Google, um, which is linked to Google My Business, which um, has real life, real people reviews. Read them. Don't just read the negative ones because it's, you know, everyone has a different perspective, but really read them and see if people are saying what you want to be hearing um, don't just look at their website and don't look at just their number of followers. Just because they've got a lot of followers, it doesn't mean they're any good at their job. Um, so a few other things to look at um, are where do they train? How do they train? Do they do group classes? Do they do one-to-ones? What's the option like? And actually, what's the glass environment like? Because some people will have a very small ratio in classes and some will have a massive ratio in classes. Normally, one to six tends to be the norm um, for most people. And most trainers offer a one to six group class. So that's you are one of six dogs. Occasionally, if it's um, not a beginner's class, so more of a progressive class and or they have an assistant, then it could be up to eight because you've got two people helping the class. Um, 
I personally would if be concerned if they have more than eight dogs in a class, unless obviously like for example we have a um, members club so people come every single week and depending on the group we sometimes go up to a couple more because we know them so well and there's no they don't need direct um support they're there to continue training so we, occasionally we have a couple more um but if you're having a puppy class with 12 13 15 puppies in which does happen then obviously you're not going to get the benefit that you will get from being one of six. Most good trainers strive to teach high quality classes and want to give individual support to their clients. So they want to be able to get to know each one individually, work out each puppy and provide individual support to you to help you get more, which in one of six you can. If you're one of 12, one of 15, you are not going to be receiving individual support and obviously, there's going to be so many more distractions for your dog and for you. And that will affect the quality of your learning. And obviously, everyone's different. Um, some dogs will struggle in a group of six. Some would struggle with two or three in a class. But majority of dogs are going to struggle if they're a beginner in a large class. And obviously, look at what your course actually covers. Don't be put off by a group class being expensive um because there's often a lot of hiddens if you look on a course and find go oh look there's a six-week puppy class for 100 pounds or 75 quid which they are out there um you might go oh great bargain if you look at a puppy class and go cool it's 400 pound well i'm gonna go with the cheap one we all know the saying buy cheap buy twice um if you buy expensive, you generally get really good quality. And often the more expensive classes have a lot more support involved with them. So you actually get more for your money and better value. So don't just look at the price. Price, I know, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm the same. Um, we all live on a budget. We all have um, things, budgets to consider because we only have a certain amount of income and the way the world is, everything's more expensive than it was before. But this is something you don't want to get wrong. You don't want to have to buy it twice or, you know, especially with puppies, I would say, they are so important. Those first few experiences at first class is so important. So don't just go for the cheapest option. Look at what you actually get in, as part of your training because the more expensive ones are likely to give you a hell of a lot more value than the cheap one so something else to look at is how they train which i know sounds really weird but how do they train is it a structured sit stay do as you're told <laughs> is it fun because dogs people we all have fun and we learn more and we enjoy ourselves. If we're having fun, we're going to learn more from it. So the same applies to people, the dog, anything. You know, If your classes are going to be fun and relaxed and enjoyable, you're going to learn more. So we want to make sure that your classes you're picking are fun. So again, look at their social media. Look at the photos. Do people look happy? Or do people look like regimented soldiers lined up with their dog about to heal for 50 yards because that's what we do consider that does the trainer have a focus on being competitive and getting results 
and meeting like obedience goals? Or do they focus on growth, practical skills that are going to help you in your life and helping you to meet your own goals? Because everyone's expectations are different. Um, so I know for my dogs, I have really high expectations. Many people say, God, they're so much better than you think they are. But I have high expectations. And if you have a lower expectation, that's absolutely fine. Um, it's absolutely fine. What's my expectation and your expectation are two completely different things. So just check that your trainer is going to be happy with whatever you want rather than teaching you what they think you want. So you have to have a 110% recall. Your dog has to walk to heel if that's their goal, not yours. And above all, whoever you decide to work with, your trainer should make you feel good. Your trainer shouldn't make you feel bad. You shouldn't come away feeling terrible and feeling like you've been told off. You shouldn't be shouted at. You shouldn't, shouldn't be feel, made to feel guilty or that your dog isn't good enough or they're not achieving the targets or anything else. You should feel supported. You should feel cared about and you should feel empowered to have a good time with your dog and to learn together. Every dog, every person learns at their own pace. The slower you progress, the better. But obviously, if your trainer is very results driven, then they may not have that approach. So obviously, if you are very results driven and want the obedience, then look for a trainer that's going to do that. Look for the trainer that is right for you. And that's not just about their goals and how they operate. But do you get on with them? <laughs> because we know as I we don't meet like everyone we meet. Nobody does. You're always going to find somebody that you don't necessarily get on with or you go, OK, we're a bit different. And that's fine. But make sure your trainer is like likely to be a person you're going to get on with. How do you know that before you work with them? Again, look at their social media. Do they create videos? Can you get to see who they are and their smiley face beforehand? Do they have a nice approach? If you're looking at their social medias, do you feel happy like listening to them? Do you get that initial sort of impression that they're a really nice, kind person that you think you'd get on with? Or do they share the same values as you? Do they train the way you want find out who they are as a person and majority of trainers nowadays on social media will be posting videos of themselves their dog training they will their dog training they will be posting videos on of them talking so you can get to know a little bit about them and I know for us especially when people come for puppy classes they already have an online aspect of me talking to them a lot the majority of them have already seen our social media. Some of them have already listened to podcasts and they turn up and they go, oh, I feel like I've known you for years, um, which is lovely because they do. And then when they arrive at class, they feel much happier because I'm already a familiar person and the team's already familiar because they already know who we are. So another thing about actual classes is where do they take place? Because again, this will affect your sort of overall experience if it's what you're expecting. And again, everyone's sort of um, priorities are different everyone's expectations are different and that's absolutely fine some trainers offer indoor classes in a village hall some train outside some train in a like, controlled dog training venue some train in real life absolutely fine whichever one you pick I prefer outdoor training because I don't have to worry about my dog weeing and pooing inside <laughs> um, and that's what I enjoy that's why we deliver it um, but everyone's different. If you don't like the rain, if your dog doesn't like the mud, then indoor village hall, great. Um, so just make sure that you're knowing where you're going to. 
just check those things as well and consider that they also will in fact affect the cost of your classes. So if someone is training in a village hall and they're having to pay 20, 50, 100 pounds higher the venue, then that will be put forward in the cost. If they're training in their back garden, there is no cost. So the classes are likely to be a little bit cheaper. If they're training in a public space, then they've got no rental fees to pay. If they have a dedicated training venue, there is a lot more expense involved and therefore their classes are likely to be a little bit more expensive to give that wonderful training centre to you to train in. So just consider that as well. Now, obviously we talked a little bit more about experience earlier, but does your dog trainer cover the area you want to work on? Because I know that sounds really daft, but every trainer has things they like doing and every trainer has things they don't like doing. They also have things that are outside their skill set. So you should ask them, have you worked with a case similar to mine before? Because we don't want you, you going, well, I've got this problem. So say, for example, let's pick one out of a hat. Let's say um, reactivity. My dog's reactive to other dogs. And they go, yeah, yeah, we do one-to-ones. And then you turn up and they've never worked with a reactive dog before and don't actually know what they're doing or don't not know what they're doing, but they know it in theory, but not in practice. Well, you're going to get the full benefit of your sessions. Does your trainer refer on to somebody else if they recognise it's beyond their skill level? So that's, I know it sounds like they're going, oh, I'm not good enough, but they're just going, that's not my expertise we have it, we have people ring us up and I go, look, to be honest, I could help you, but I know X, Y, Z down the road and that's their thing and they would, you'd get more from working with them than you would with me. There's nothing wrong with them telling you that. So it's good if they do have close relationships with others who they will pass work on to because there's nothing worse than paying your money to somebody and then them not delivering what you're expecting because they haven't got the experience and you know I've done it before where I've been halfway through a program with a one-to-one client and gone I don't feel we're progressing how I'd like to I don't feel that I'm giving you what you need and I think you know we should look at you working with somebody else and it's not because I don't like the client it's not because I don't like the dog it's purely because I I thought I'd be able to help you but actually now I'm working with you your issues or whatever it is there's more going on than I expected and it's but not my my forte and I want people to get the best out of their training so do would your trainer refer on and finally this is a really weird one but I think it's really important does the dog trainer offer a money-back guarantee now money-back guarantees work on sofas and kitchens when they are clearly faulty but can a dog trainer really offer a money-back guarantee It's really difficult because there are so many variable factors when you are training a dog. Now, training programs that trainers design and the things they tell you to do, they know will 99% of the time help you to see progress. But as I said, there are so many variables. It's very dependent on you and the effort you put into your training. If you come to the sessions every week, and you say, yep, yeah, I'll do all that. And then next week when you come back, you haven't done any of it. 
it's not the trainer's fault that it's not worked because they've given you the tools, they've given you the skills. It's your fault because you haven't done what they said. So it's very difficult for people to offer a money back guarantee because often people have high expectations and sometimes unrealistic expectations for their dog. Um, You know, oh, my dog's been reactive for six years and I suddenly want them to stop and I want you to fix it in a month. It's not going to happen. You get out what you put in. Equally, if a dog's been practicing something for six years, it's going to take a very long time for them to undo those habits. I think, again, it's kind of building on it, timeframes, expecting amazing results in a week. It's not going to happen. You wouldn't expect a toddler to go to um, nursery for six months and then be able to go and sit their exams. It, It doesn't work. So time in a program of or a six week course say it's going to give you the foundations to work on but it's not going to give you massive results it's going to give you the stepping stones to then build on your own success um and obviously there's certain breed limitations every dog has a particular job and strengths and their own emotions we can't change dna and we can help channel it and we can help harness it but we can't change who they are so if for example you've got a Labrador, um, and obviously I have Labradors, so I, I feel the struggle. Um, <laughs> and people say, well, I want them to stop picking stuff up and carrying stuff around their mouth. Well, that's what they were bred for. So for me to stop doing that, it's actually going to affect the dog's quality of life um, because that's their natural sort of job. <laughs> um, so sometimes, you know, what dog owners expect versus what trainers will deliver is very different. Um, and often... You know, we come trying to fix a problem and we like to personally work on a a proactive approach rather than reactive. Um, So basically don't wait until it's really, really bad and then try and fix it because then you've got to undo a load of work before you start on it. So if your dog trainer was offering a 100% money back guarantee, I would question how they're going to sort of work that. Yes, I will. I offer when I when we work with one to one clients, we kind of give them a this is what you can expect from us. And this is what we expect from you, i.e. you have to practice between you have to this, you have to do that. Um, And we guarantee progress, not perfection, Um, because, you know, every dog will progress, but they may not be perfect because sometimes the perfect desire is actually unrealistic. So there's an awful lot of things to consider, hey, when asking um, to work with a dog trainer. One thing I forgot to mention, actually, and it's just sprung into my mind because this is like what we talk about at the end. But do they have a group where you can get used to them and sort of test the water a little bit? A lot of dog trainers will have a free Facebook group where you can join it, hear from them. I know we've just run a um, New Year challenge in our group. So a little bit of free training. Uh, People get to know who we are and what we do and how we do it. So if that's an offer or not, an offer, an option, take it, take that opportunity to work with them in their free group to see if you like them before working with them. So hopefully that has helped you to think about what to actually consider before working with a dog trainer. Um, There are plenty of places you can check. I'll pop a link in the show description about um, where to look for dog trainers who have worked with and qualified through certain um, bodies which will give you a good stepping stone and of course if you want to head over into our group and ask the question um, or any questions you have about anything please do again the link is in the show description 
Thank you for listening to The Dynamic Dog Owner with me, Debbie Potter. See you next time. Thank you.